Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Taming Dragons. I am your host, Carter Rain, and today we're going to take a bit of a dive into what I wish I knew, the shit that I wish I knew when I started a few of the different endeavors that I've now been on for several years. I am no expert, I'm not going to pretend that I know everything there is to know, in fact, you're going to learn throughout this episode just how much I don't know. The difference is, I'm okay not knowing stuff, and I really take it as a learning opportunity and I get really excited to learn new things. That being said, I am hoping that the episode that I'm about to give you will give you a lot of ideas, topics that you can discuss with your friends, maybe some concepts you haven't thought about, and if you're thinking of embarking on any of these journeys, I hope that you will take this as just a little bit of a heads up on the path that may be ahead for you. Again, each person's different uh, journey is different, but I hope that this helps you to understand a little bit of what you might be in for. So the four different journeys that I want to talk about today are number one, my journey into becoming a full-time coach. Number two, my journey through marriage and partnership with my wife. Number three, my journey of healing and recovering from different traumas and situations that have happened in my life. And number four, the healing of being on the growth journey and choosing growth as a way of life. So with those four different topics, I'm also going to talk about some books, um, some experiences, some concepts at the end that I think have been really helpful and have transformed the way that I think about life, and I hope that they will also help you. So this episode is going to be a little bit longer than our typical episodes, but I hope that it provides some food for thought and that you can take it, learn something, and I don't know, maybe go change the world. So without further ado, let's dive in. First topic that I have spent a lot of time studying and a lot of times growing into is coaching. And one of the things that I wish I knew when I started coaching was that I needed to decide, is this going to be something that's fun that I do for passion? Is it what we call a hobby jobby? Or is this really going to be a business? Because thinking of, oh, well, do I enjoy that? Or will I enjoy that part of the process versus I need to do this and I need to put on my big boy panties because this is about to happen because this is what my business needs. So when it came to making decisions, early on I made a lot of decisions as if this was just a hobby, and it wasn't. It was a business. So making decisions about like hiring a coach wasn't about whether or not I felt that I could do it without one. It was whether or not I decided I wanted to get there sooner and get those results for my business so that I could build. So knowing whether or not it's going to be a business or a hobby is really important because you need to back that up with your actions. The second thing that I wish that I knew when I started my coaching business is everybody is unique. So even when we look at different personality profiles, whether that's Myers-Briggs or DISC or Enneagram, you name it, right? They are all one person or a team of people's idea on how someone else's reality exists. And while those tools can be unbelievably helpful, and I use a lot of them in my coaching work, understanding that each person is unique was vital to my success. I also needed to understand that all of the books, all the podcasts, all of the YouTube videos, everything that I was consuming, nobody could tell me how to do it. They could only share how they did it. And it was ultimately my responsibility to take that and turn it into a how and a strategy that was viable for the growth of my business. But a lot of people assume, oh, well, this expert said it, so it must be true. We've got people quoting experts left, right, and center, and I'm one of them. And the purpose of those experts is not exactly to give you a prescription for how to be successful. It's to tell you how they did it so you can learn from it. Every single person is unique. And if I approach every single coaching conversation, every sales conversation as a brand new one, knowing that they are unique and just showing up in the way I can best serve them, I get much better results. Another thing that I learned and I wish I knew sooner is the importance of empathy. 
Empathy is not sympathy. Sympathy is, I see you over there, I can see what you're going through, and it makes sense in my head, but I don't really feel it. I can't imagine being in that kind of a situation. Empathy is truly being able to embody somebody else's experience to the level that you could argue their side of an argument in their favor, that you could argue it possibly better than they could because you're at that level of understanding of where they're at. And only when people feel that level of empathy and support are they willing to maybe shift their perspective a little bit. It's much more difficult to begin to make these changes and facilitate these transformations if we don't first start with empathy. Again, going back to realizing everybody's unique. What worked for one client might not work for the next one, but when you show up with creativity and empathy, knowing that wherever they are, they're doing the best they can and really show up to support that, you're going to see better results. Another topic that I wish I had studied more before I became a coach, something that I wish I understood more before I ventured into the world of coaching, is the purpose and the function of ego. I have spent years now studying it, had many deep conversations with friends and other leaders to come to the level of understanding I have now, and I'm fairly certain I've only scratched the surface. My current understanding of ego is kind of best explained if you used an analogy. I think of ego like the bouncer of the mind. So if your mind or your system was like a nightclub, I guess, then ego is the bouncer, stands at the door and checks everything to make sure it's safe for you to be engaging in that kind of a thought, engaging in that practice, engaging in that behavior. Whatever it is, ego stands there and its only question is, is this safe? And a lot of building a business is not safe. A lot of coaching is not safe. It doesn't look safe because it's about growth and change and being different. And if you approach it with ego and you only want to do what feels safe and right and happy and keeps you in the same place, you're going to stay in the same place and that's not going to bring growth and you're going to get frustrated with your coach. You're going to get frustrated with your clients if you are a coach and all over you're going to get offended and the whole thing is just going to devolve from there because you weren't focused on being there just out of love and abundance, knowing that you couldn't really do irreparable damage and showing up in an abundant way, not showing up because you wanted to be the coach, not showing up for any other reason other than to serve. Leave your ego at the door because ego kills relationships, it kills businesses, and frankly, it kills people when we're not careful. So understanding how ego functions, there's no need to kill it in my experience. It's about understanding it and being ready to work with it. Being aware enough and conscious enough to partner with it as part of your team, part of your psyche, a part of your reality, and not let it run the whole damn show. Something else I wish somebody would have told me early on in my coaching career is you need systems that scale, all right? A lot of times when you're starting out, it's scrappy, it's messy, you're doing the best you can, you make a wild guess at how much you should charge, you put together a program quickly, and the reality is it gets results because you show up 100%, probably even more than that with most of your first few clients. However, those systems don't scale. So one of the most dangerous pitfalls of entrepreneurs and coaches in general is that they start to think, well, this worked before, so it's going to work again. The reality is what got you here won't get you there. There's a book about this and it talks all about the gap between our experience and our lived reality and the new world that we're trying to step into because what got you here won't get you there. So I wish that I had understood sooner that I needed to build systems that scaled. Oftentimes the only way to do this is to speak with someone who has built a system that has scaled them beyond your current level. Again, they won't be able to tell you exactly how to do it for you, but they will give you insights and help you to learn a little bit more. 
so that you can build the right systems. Because just because it works today does not mean it's going to work tomorrow. Add that to the reality that our world is always evolving and changing in the way that we get leads or we do marketing or we set up copy or blah, 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 blah. It's always changing because as a society, we're always changing. So your systems need to scale beyond the behavioral patterns of you as the coach or the business owner. So those are a few of the things I wish I knew when I started coaching. Uh, I think the last one that I would tie it up with is it's just a lot of work, okay? It's not like for most people, building a coaching business can bring you everything you want, including the lifestyle you want, but not because you're just like good at giving people advice or because you like helping people. Those are a fine way to start, and I think those are important building blocks, but overall actually building a coaching business, one that can sustain yourself and your family and contribute to your ecosystem and not leave you burned out requires a lot of effort, and I highly recommend spending quite a chunk of change, i.e. investing in your coaching journey so that you can learn the pitfalls for you specifically sooner. All right, next, let's talk about marriage. Now, I have been married for a few years now, and there are a lot of people in the world that have a lot more advice to give on marriage than me. I'm just here to share my personal experiences with it and stuff that I wished I knew before I said I do. Now, the first thing that I wish that I knew is my marriage is not anyone else's. Nobody else needs to understand it. If it works for me, if it works for my spouse, if it works for us and it gets us the results we want, it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. Everyone wants to say, oh, well, this is our secret, you know, like, uh, make sure you don't go to bed angry or make sure that you always have first time in the morning time together. Everybody's different. I'm going to stress this again and again because I had this idea growing up that there were certain systems or certain categories, like once everyone turns 21, we're all just functioning adults. I have since found out common sense is not common. So understanding that your marriage doesn't need to look like your parents' marriage or your friend's marriage or your straight friend's marriage or your queer friend's marriage. It doesn't matter, right? It works for you, then it works. End of story, full stop. I spent so much time trying to make my marriage make sense so that I could explain it to the people that I respected or the people that I felt had had good marriages. And I learned also that not everybody tells the truth. This is a huge thing in society. We hide the things that we think will cause people to judge us or maybe think less of us and oftentimes that comes in our most intimate relationships. So when I started actually speaking out about some of the challenges I was having in my marriage, I was shocked to find out how many of my friends and family members had also faced similar situations. And I just wish that we could have talked about it sooner, but everyone was assuming that everyone else was fine and no one was willing to take a stand and just make it work for them. So if it works for you, End of story. Don't overthink it. Don't try to make it look like a book or like your therapist says it has to. All of these are tools, but they're not going to tell you exactly what's best for you. Another thing that really hit me upside the head that I wish I would have realized and I probably would have made different choices had I known this sooner is that the purpose of a marriage or any partnership for that matter is growth. They talk about it in certain spaces like iron sharpening iron. So if your purpose in a partnership is growth, do you think that it's going to be all daisies and rainbows? Of course not. Because for me, as soon as it doesn't promote my growth and as soon as we aren't growing together as a couple and growing our partnership to be a better contributor to society, I'm not sure that the partnership makes a whole lot of sense. And that's okay. But you need to have those kinds of conversations openly. For me, my partnership, my marriage is all about growth. 
And if I had understood that and made plans for that to be the goal, not live happily ever after, like Disney says, but really grow together, I think it would have saved myself quite a bit of time and frustration. I think it's also about partnership. And I wish that I had understood that sooner as well. Knowing there are certain areas of my life that I'm not strong in and my wife is excellent at and negotiating that from a place of partnership, not necessarily complimenting each other or opposites attract, but really understanding why are we better together in these areas. And if we're not better together in some areas, say in social circles or maybe in the way we like to uh, do health habits or working out, it's okay. If we don't partner well in that area, that doesn't mean the entire partnership isn't worth it. But overall, we need to have areas that we are partnering together on for it to be worth the time and effort. Something else I wish I knew about marriage is that people change. You know, they say marriage is forever and always. Well, I sure as shit am not the same person I was five years ago, ten years ago, even frankly two years ago. We're in a rate of change and evolution in our society that I don't think we've seen before. And so I wish more people would understand that you might not be married to the same person that you married 10, 20, 30 years ago. And when people change, it's fair and realistic to reassess whether or not that partnership still makes sense. I think we need to understand a bit more about the history of marriage, where it came from, and make sure, again, it works for us. Because it might not, and that's okay. Another one is divorce isn't bad. You know, I have not yet been divorced. I might be. You never know. I have no idea and no claim on what will happen tomorrow. I know several family members and friends that have been divorced, and it's the best thing that's ever happened to them. And I think when we cast shame on different areas of relationships like divorce or couples therapy or even different choices for sexual intimacy or the way that we connect with our partners, I think when we judge that, we really close people off to the supply of resources that you can get from a community just by having open conversations about it. So just because it works for them doesn't mean it needs to work for you. And just because it was bad for someone else doesn't mean it needs to be bad for you. There are no basic rules. There are no overarching concepts besides it needs to work. And if it's not working, then you need to get the proper help to make it work. And then you need to be willing to change the terms, change the arrangement, change, renegotiate the contract. Because at the end of the day, that's originally what marriage was, was a contract. So it needs to be beneficial to both parties. And if it's not, it's not a partnership and it probably shouldn't be a marriage. But again, this is just my experience in marriage. And I wish that someone would have told me sooner. Now, there are a lot of benefits to marriage and I love being married. But overall, it's not as simple as people make it out to be. It's not just a piece of paper. It is a joint venture into the investment of your future. And understanding the parameters of that is pretty damn important. All right, next up on the topic list is healing. Now, healing is a very broad topic, and I left it broad on purpose. For me, the healing journey began when I had certain memories that came back from my childhood, things that I had said, now is not the time to process that. And when they all started coming back and I started to realize some things that maybe weren't what I thought they were, none of it was anything that could not be healed from, but it required some intervention on the behalf of therapists and other people that were there to support me in my support system. So these are the things I've learned on my healing journey. I think that in general, life is quite traumatic. And if you think that you have nothing to heal from, you may want to think again. So healing is for everyone because life can be fairly traumatic and we don't even realize it. So you do not need to have grown up in an abusive household or in a poverty situation or in any particular cultural reality 
it doesn't need to have been, quote, bad in order for you to need healing, because I think healing is an ongoing process and something we do every day. So this has nothing to do with the level of healing required. In fact, one of the things I wish I knew when I started my healing journey is that you can't really measure healing. You can't measure trauma. You can't say, oh, well, my trauma was worse than yours or yours was better than mine or you had it easier or you had it so hard. In fact, when we do that, we really cheapen the experience of healing, knowing that each person is tested to the limit that they need to be in order to develop into the person and leader that they are meant to be. Another way of putting this is there are no black and whites and the binary really has no place in healing. So thinking of something as good or bad or better or worse or really any kind of measurement in the healing space, really not helpful to the participants. Healing is a journey. Healing can't be defined and healing is personal to each person. So I would encourage you to not rate anything about trauma or healing or worry too much about it. Educate yourself, ask a lot of questions, but don't try to put it in a box because it really can limit your experience and cheapen the healing experience overall. For me, I've found that healing is kind of like cleaning the kitchen, as in you got to do it constantly. It's never really done, but there are moments when it's done enough, and the more you do it, the easier it gets. That doesn't mean that some days you don't come in and it's an absolute disaster in there, but overall, knowing that it is a process, that it's something that's going to happen again and again. But you don't need to only move forward when you feel fully healed. That will be nice moments when you have good breakthroughs in therapy or with a coach or with a good friend. But understanding that healing is a process is really helpful. You're going to need help to do this process. And I wish I would have understood what that meant sooner. You need help forever. So a lot of times you can staff these positions of help from friends or from well-educated colleagues or people in the space. And oftentimes, especially at the beginning, it's really important to just straight up pay for that help. Get a therapist, get a coach. There was a time in my life when I had five therapists I was seeing consecutively. This is not something that you can simply be like, oh yeah, I went to therapy once and I feel better or I read a book and I feel better. It's a journey, and it doesn't matter whether or not I went through more or less trauma than you. Accepting that the journey is whatever you need it to be is pretty important. Which leads me to my last topic on growth. So for overall notes on what I wish I knew about growth is that it has to be for you. It cannot be for anyone else because no one else will really understand it because no one else is you. If I've said this once, I've said it a hundred times, even on this episode, understanding that what you do is for you and you cannot assume that anyone else is going to understand that and you cannot expect them to go with you. Another thing that I super wish I knew earlier about growth and healing, frankly, is how many friends I would lose. And this is not something that gets better as you get older. You just get more used to it. So I have gone through different seasons of life and many, many times have lost friends. And when I do, of course it's sad because I lose the opportunity to create more memories with those people and to share the memories that we've had. But overall, it's been a really beautiful thing every time it's happened because it just tells me that each one of us is meant to grow in a different way and to take new paths along our healing journey. So overall, just note, you're probably going to lose some people and that's okay because you're probably not the best thing for them and Frankly, they're not the best thing for you. Let them go. Just honestly, if I could go back and tell my younger self one thing, it would be, Carter, just let them go. 
Just let them go. Things come, things go. If it's meant to be, it will be. There have been people that I haven't spoken to for 10 years at a time. And then I come back together and we've both done a lot of healing work separately and we're able to be friends again. Let it go. But if you sit there for 10 years waiting for them to come back or see your side of things or understand what you're going through, it's likely not going to happen. So instead, I would just encourage you to be sufficient in your own growth, to understand that it is for you. You cannot convince anyone else to do it. All you can do is continue to do it for yourself. And if they have questions, answer them. Another thing I wish I knew about growth was that it oftentimes feels like I'm going backwards, which is a weird sensation to think, oh yeah, I'm in the season of growth. And then my life looks like shit. Like on the outside, everybody's like, you okay, bro? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm growing. Because the reality is you grow more when stuff is shit than when everything is daisies and rainbows and unicorn farts. So I really encourage you to understand that growth feels like going backwards. You may take a step for growth, knowing that leaving that job is going to produce different results in you, is going to teach you some things. That doesn't mean that it'll be hard. And if it's hard or it looks like it failed or that it's not working, a lot of times that's growth. Just like all of the trees prepare to grow in the winter, but they don't grow a ton. They grow in the spring and we all love the spring with the flowers and all of the birds chirping. And that's a wonderful time that comes after we prepare for the growth. So sometimes it's winter. And that's OK. Another thing I wish I knew is that I wasn't going to feel good about it. I think I spent a lot of time waiting on the sidelines to feel motivated, to feel ready for the growth that I was about to step into. And the reality is you just got to do it scared. You got to get off your ass and make it happen because it is not going to just magically become motivational. You will become motivated with the results you get from doing the damn thing. So do it scared. Do it now. If there's something you've been putting off, really encourage you to do it. And if you need help, reach out for accountability to do it. But you can't get the motivation without action. So start doing shit because that's the only way you're going to grow. Last note that I put down here on the idea of growth and what I wish I knew is nobody can tell you how. And I don't know why this came up in all four of them. I mean, I probably do because it makes sense. But honestly, nobody can tell you how to do any of this. I can't tell you how. Alex Ramosi can't tell you how. Tony Robbins can't tell you how. Your pastor can't tell you how. Nobody can tell you how. The how is yours and it's sacred. So spend some time developing your how. Of course, study others. Learn what you can. Read the books, listen to the podcasts, have the conversations, hire the mentors and the therapists and everybody else. But at the end of the day, your how is your responsibility. All right. So a few more things to wrap this up and then you guys can get back to your busy days. The first thing I was going to say is just a couple of books that I would recommend you not sleep on these. You can fall asleep on them as most of them are. I think all of them are actually nonfiction books. And sometimes that puts people to sleep. You can also listen to them on Headway or something like that where you can get the cliff notes. But these are the top books that I would not recommend going through life without reading. The first one that comes up for me is You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Phenomenal book. Changed my life. Really changed the way I viewed money. If you are trying to actively change your money mindset, highly, highly recommend. Another one on the money topic is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's the gold standard. It's been around for like 100 years. It's brilliant. The principles still work. The fact that the principles still work is just beautiful to me. 
Uh, one that I recommend for relationships, especially if you are in a relationship with a vagina owner, is Come As You Are. Come As You Are is a beautiful book, taught me so much about the female anatomy, and really enhanced the sex life between myself and my wife tenfold. Next one, uh, for religious healing specifically, I recommend the book I Fired God. It was one of the first ones that helped me to take authority and ownership over my religious he healing experience, and it allowed me to flex the parameters that I had been raised in. Really excellent book was recommended to me by my therapist. I think it's good if you're just trying to understand where are the rules and how can I bend them without feeling out of integrity. If you're thinking of becoming a coach, one of my favorites is The Coaching Habit. It gives you the very basic standard for how to become a really good coach. And then overall, if you're planning on being in a relationship with anyone ever, including professional relationships, I recommend reading Crucial Conversations. To me, communication is sacred, and I think every conversation is crucial. So understanding how to have those effectively has been invaluable for me in my self-development. All right, final notes as we wrap this one up is just some tenets that are top of mind for me right now. I spend a lot of time around really wealthy and successful people because I know that you are the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. So I spend time around people that know how to get shit done and make a fuck ton of money because I think being able to understand those systems and build businesses to bring about wealth and abundance and prosperity is part of my sacred calling. So in the pursuit of that, I've found some things that are common threads, common denominators among the most successful people in the world. One of the first ones that came up for me is the very high say-do ratio. Everything you say you're going to accomplish, do it. Fucking do it. Do not debate, do not pass go, do not collect $200. If you are not going to do it, don't say you're going to do it because this absolutely is a corrosive behavior for integrity and ultimately will cost you business and businesses, okay? Another one is nobody is coming to save you. We are talking a lot about ownership and radical authority and being responsible for yourself. So knowing what that means to you and having a very high say-do ratio, also remembering nobody is coming to save you. This is up to you. There are people everywhere that want nothing more than to help you on this journey, but nobody's going to do it for you. So get up off the couch, stop just wasting time and doom scrolling and doing all these other things and freaking do it. Because when you're doing it, the help will come so that you can do it better and faster. Another thing for me is now is all we have. We are not promised tomorrow and there's nothing that we really need from yesterday. Everything you have from your past is a potential limiter of your future potential. And everything in your future is just a dream until you start taking action. And the only place you can take action is today. So focus on now. Focus on the next step. Focus on your today. One of the principles that I read in the 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene is that if you aren't playing the game, you're losing it. And I think a lot of times we play the ostrich and put our head in the sand because we don't like the game. We don't like the rules, and so we just decline to play. This happens all the time with people who don't want to get into sales because they don't want to be sleazy. Well, if you're not playing the game, you're losing it. And if you're losing, someone else is winning. And it might be someone with less integrity, a shittier offer, a worse business, or they could be in it for their own gains. But if you don't learn to play the game, you're going to lose. So learn to play as many games as you can, and if possible, learn to love the game. 
One more thing on this. Energy is real. Learn to use it. It is a fundamental part and mechanism of the game of life. You can put whatever container around it. You can use different structures for it. You can think of it in terms of religion or spirituality or just woo-woo shit. I don't care. But understand how you interact with energy because it's real. And if you don't learn to use it in the game, you will lose to the people that do. And then the last thing that I'll leave you with here is you're probably wrong, but you're doing the best you can. And as far as I'm concerned, that's good enough. So if there's anything I can do to help you, or if you want to learn how to do it maybe a little bit less wrong, start having these conversations. Take the topics from today and talk about them with your partner. Talk about them with your spouse. Talk about them with your kids. Talk about them with your best friend. Talk about these things because the community is where these evolutional seeds are going to come from. And we need it so that we can move this world forward. So that's all I have. These are the things I wish I knew. And now you know them. So no more excuses. Get out there. Be yourself. Be real. Change the world.